title my message today, Packing the Parachute. This new season of fatherhood that I found myself in for like the last year, and uh, I'm going to be finding myself in the newness of again, it gives me pause, of course. Am I doing what's necessary to prepare my children? That's a weird statement. My children for their futures? I'm not necessarily talking about education or uh, financially or any of the more commonly thought practical steps because those are good and, and important, but let's face it, there's not much I can do on those fronts right now. We're going to have two under two, and I don't think they're going to appreciate the nuance of tax season just yet. But what I can be doing and what I should be doing, even at this young age, is discipling them. If you would stand with me this morning, we're going to hear from the word of the Lord. We're going to go to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is a passage that most of us should be very familiar with. This is the Great Commission. After Jesus was resurrected, he spent 40 days with his disciples, loving them, restoring them, and encouraging them for the work that was before them. And before he ascended back to heaven, he said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. May God add his blessing to his word. Please be seated. <clears throat> that word, disciple, can feel like a very Christianese kind of word. It, we use it a lot. We talk about disciples a lot, but I do pause sometimes and wonder, do many of us really know what the word means? It's a lot of times when we talk about the disciples, we're specifically referring to those 12 apostles that followed Jesus during his earthly ministry and then went on and continued the work. But here, Jesus has told those 12 to go and make disciples of all nations. So he tells his disciples to go make more disciples. It should stand to reason that upon becoming a disciple of Christ, one would follow this task as well. So if you are a believer, you've become a disciple. But are we doing this? Are we making disciples? The word, I'm sorry, you're going to have to bear with me because I've said this before, I'm an English major, so you're going to get a little bit of an English lesson today. The word has its root in the same word as discipline and disciplined, meaning to train someone to obey rules or a code of behavior or to show a controlled form of behavior or way of working. Specifically, a disciple would become disciplined by becoming a student to a greater teacher. But this wasn't just simply by learning facts. They weren't sitting in a classroom. They would walk with them and listen to them and live with them and eventually conform their way of life <coughs> to the teachers. And the disciples of Jesus were marked by these characteristics. They followed him. They were changed by him. And they committed themselves to his mission. And as we see in our passage in Matthew, his mission through us was that many more would be made his disciples by our good works through his power. That we would do the work of making disciples of Jesus Christ. 
But in order to do this, it is not just about sharing your faith. It's about sharing your life. The highs and the lows. The victories and the struggles. And can we be honest with each other? That's uncomfortable. Yes? This is not easy. It requires a vulnerability and a transparency that we're actually taught not to show, especially in our culture. But if we are going to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ to make more disciples of him, then we need to be willing to press into that uncomfortability, to apply pressure to it, and then to break through what we have been taught by culture and instead live by the example of Jesus Christ to come alongside others and prepare them for what lays before them. We are told to go. Again, English. Going to learn about words today. But words are important. What they mean is important. You might have never given this any thought, but that word go is actually the shortest sentence in the English language. The shortest command that you can give. It is a self-contained statement with a very pretty clear emphasis. Whatever you're doing, stop and go do this instead. The interesting thing about language, though, is that when you understand the nuance of a particular language, things can take on a new meaning. We can say, go, and it means something all on its own. But since the New Testament was written in Greek, we have to take Jesus' go within that context because in the original Greek, the verb go is referred to as, wait for it, a participle of attendant circumstance. And that is exactly the reaction I was anticipating. This is a very big phrase, but what it means is that this verb goes hand in hand with another verb. It is not a separate singular command. In fact, it can't be. Alone, the word means nothing. It would become like coming up to someone, the equivalent of going to them and saying, smell. Smell what? And no. <coughs> In this case, the other verb is make disciples. In its original state, go make disciples is one singular command. The two statements are inseparable. Why is this significant? Because this is not a simple lifestyle command from Jesus. It is a direct and ongoing instruction. Go, do it, obey. It is a call for all disciples of Jesus, all of us, to be missionaries, but not just abroad. Oftentimes we think of missionaries, we think about going overseas. No, this is at home as well, and all of the time. In case you need to hear this, I want to clear something up this morning. A misconception that's unfortunately been held too long by those in the Christian church. Our faith is not about self-centeredness, but other-centeredness. You might say to yourself, of course it's not, but do we really believe that? Because it's 
there's plenty of other religions, countless other religions, I would venture a guess to say all other religions that are focused on the self and self-improvement. Christianity is not about you being a better you. It is about God making you more like his son by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you so that you might glorify him. It has nothing to do with how good you are or how good you can be and everything to do with how great Jesus Christ is and the power he has alone to transform our lives. That he would become greater and we would become less. And Jesus becomes greater in us when we look like him by loving God and loving others. This is why he said they are the greatest commandments. See, when we accept Christ and become his disciple, it is not just receiving forgiveness and salvation from our sins, but taking up the task, the burden, sometimes even, even the very cross of reaching and loving others, discipling others. Walking into a church building on a Sunday morning is not the call of a Christian. Listening to a sermon is not the call of a Christian. These are good, important things, but they are not our call. Making disciples is the call of a Christian. Active pursuit, direct and ongoing of the mission that we have been given. Love others as I have loved you and make them my disciples. A big part of this is being willing to step into people's lives, sometimes even the chaos of their lives, and create a space of safety for those who are already following Jesus and be invitational to those who are not. Jesus modeled exactly these principles in his earthly ministry, and you might ask me, how? Well, first, and possibly most simply, he had conversations with people. Sometimes Jesus would be the one to start the conversation. But other times, people would come to him instead. And a lot of times in those conversations, Jesus would ask a lot of questions. In fact, you might know this, maybe you don't, he asked far more questions than he ever directly answered. But you can't have conversations with people and ask them questions if you're not around them. So that's exactly what he would do. He went to where people were. Following Jesus' example of discipleship, we see that he took initiative. He responded to other people. He left room for them to interrupt him. He met people where they were at literally and figuratively. He established common ground with them, and he connected with their thoughts and their feelings. A few weeks ago, I heard the story of a man named Captain Charlie Plum. Plum graduated from the Naval Academy at Annapolis and subsequently became a fighter pilot. 
piloting 74 successful missions during the Vietnam War in his F-4 Phantom Jet. Unfortunately, during his 75th mission, he was shot down when a surface-to-air missile struck his jet. He was captured and detained in an 8-by-8-foot cell. And for the next almost six years, he was passed between different communist war prisons and regularly tortured during this time. Now, thankfully, he survived his imprisonment, and eventually he actually began to work as a motivational speaker using his experiences to encourage others after an event that had occurred sometime after his return home. See, as it happens, Plum and his wife were in a restaurant one day when out of nowhere a man comes up from another table and exclaims to him, you're Plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. You were shot down. Obviously, Plum is confused, and so he asks the man, how do you know this? And the man says, I packed your parachute. Plum was obviously now shocked, but also full of gratitude. The man says, I guess it worked. And Plum assured him, if it hadn't, I would not be here today. See, here's the thing. Were it it not for the man packing the parachute for Captain Charlie Plum. It would not have mattered that he had the tenacity to survive the very difficult and arduous path that was before him because he never would have landed safely on his feet. It's timely that I'm actually discussing this now as the new year is approaching because each year I actually make a point to write down a list of names Names of people that I want to be more intentional with. People that I want to disciple further one-on-one. Stephanie Critchlow was one of my names for this past year. You may not know Stephanie, but she has actually been helping to lead the children's ministry out in Elyria for well over a year now. She does a fantastic job. And I've watched her grow in more ways than I can list. From being a woman who is simply willing to step into a void to a capable leader who takes her own growth as a leader and the growth of the people that she is leading seriously and with intentionality. Hayden Fenimore is another one. This girl right here, I promise you all, is called to ministry. I have seen her step more into God's calling on her life this last year than I have ever seen. She even began intentionally leading her own Bible study with others from the youth group. She's a teenager who wants to read her Bible with other people. You don't see that a whole lot. She does it for fun. Because she recognized it wasn't enough to simply be in church on Sundays and Wednesdays. She wanted to dig deeper and to know the word, and to help other people do the same thing so that it would help shape their lives. Essentially, she formed her own growth group. But a week from tomorrow, this church is actually losing one of its finest young disciples of Jesus Christ. For those of you who do not know, 
Hunter Balon, who's a young man who has grown up here in this church. He was at the first service, and uh, I told him beforehand I would be talking about him, but I don't think he realized the extent of it, so it was emotional. That's okay, though. Hunter's going to be leaving us to begin his career in the United States Navy in Washington. Um, don't worry, he's working as a civilian engineer. It's safe to say he will not end up with the same type of story as Captain Charlie Plum. But Hunter really has actually been on my list for a few years. He's someone I've had the privilege of discipling for these last few years. He's a young man who I've actually spent a lot of time packing his parachute. When I first met him about seven years ago or so, we clicked immediately because we're both huge nerds. Uh, but as time went on and I began to get to know him more and I shared my life and my victories and my struggles and where God had led me and where I still wrestled and, and he in turn shared his with me, slowly our relationship began to take on a new form, one of honesty and openness and transparency and trust. It wasn't just about me sharing good theology with Hunter, which I did often, but it was about me sharing with Hunter what Jesus Christ had done in my life and what he was still doing. And this opened a door for Hunter to share these same things and grow and learn with me. Eventually, Hunter actually helped lead our uh, superhero-themed VBS. I made him wear that. As Mr. Dependable. And you know what? He proved that week he really was a natural leader. He looks so heroic. <laughs> but then he graduated high school, and he went off to college. And I would get calls or texts at random times when he needed guidance or wisdom or just to talk or to share something awesome that God was doing in his life. And then he'd come home to visit. We'd always make time to get together and, and sit down and catch up. And, and then he told me, I'm going to be serving with a church down here with their youth group. Something was changing in Hunter. He finally graduated college and he came home. And the first thing he did when he got back was to get more plugged in here at the church. And so he began teaching our fifth and sixth graders on Sunday mornings. And I know our kids are going to miss him. He began leading our teens on Wednesday nights, and I know our teens are going to miss him. He eventually helped to co-lead Crossroads, our college-age ministry, and I know our young people are going to miss him. See, when he got the job with the Navy, I was overjoyed, but admittedly, I was sad. Because I, I know, as I said, we are losing a great leader. And very selfishly, I want him here. But I also know there is a point to discipleship. And it's not so we can stay contained. It's so we can go. And I know that God has greater things in store 
as Hunter takes this next step in his journey. I know that who we are launching out will be a benefit to everyone around him for the sake of the kingdom. One of the last times Hunter and I got lunch, we just spent time talking about his plans for once he gets down to Washington, and he said that above all else, the most important thing, his priority, was to find a strong Christian community where he could establish himself and surround himself with support and find other people he could pour back into. He's making disciples. I'm not worried about Hunter at all. I'm not worried for him because I know his parachute is packed well. And he's going to land safely on his feet. I've watched him grow from a young boy, maybe uncertain of himself at times and really seeking his purpose, into a young man who is not certain of himself by himself, but is certain of who he is in Christ Jesus, walking in the Holy Spirit and leading other people to do the same. So whatever lays before him, whatever path the Lord has for him, whatever struggles he might face, he's ready. And it's been an honor and a privilege for me to walk alongside him in his life and disciple him unto Christ. So whose parachute are you packing right now? Who are you discipling? Preparing them for the work that's laid before them and, and showing them the way to the Father. Who are you spurring on towards love and good deeds? And who are you investing in? I said earlier, it's not enough to just be present. We have to be invested in the growth and discipleship of other people. We have to get involved in their lives. And please do not be fooled by the lie that you're not equipped to disciple other people. I don't care if you've been a Christian for a day or a year or a hundred years. You do not need to have all the answers. It's, it's not about having all the answers. Don't believe the lie that because you don't have all the answers means you shouldn't be trying to lead someone else. Because remember this, Jesus was here on this earth. He had all the answers, and he still said to his disciples who were fallible and flawed, go and make more of you. It's not about being perfect. It's not about having all the answers, but it's about growing in Christ-likeness alongside our brothers and sisters. So my encouragement to you is to do exactly that. This time of year is all about resolutions for many. So have the resolve to disciple someone this year, even if it's just one person. Maybe it's a non-believer. Someone that the, the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to witness to forever, and you finally take that step of obedience. Or maybe it's a Christian brother or sister someone you decide to walk alongside of and say, hey, let's grow together. It doesn't matter if they're older than you or younger than you or richer or poorer than you. Lead by example. Love by example. Share your faith. Share your life. Your ups, your downs, your victories, your struggles. Be honest with people. Be transparent. 
encourage the fruits of the Spirit in other people and celebrate when you witness them growing into them. Join a growth group. Disciple everyone in your growth group alongside each other. I tell you, me and my wife, we joined one early last, well, I guess this year. Tomorrow it'll be last year. It's been one of the most enriching things for us. Invest yourself into someone for the sake of the kingdom. Lead them to know and become more like Jesus so they might turn around and do the same thing for other people. Fulfill the great commission. Pray with me. Father, I come to you burdened because I know it seems sometimes like there are just, there's such a stagnancy in the Christian community. People who are just content to stay where they are. Lord, push us out of our comfort zones. Help us, Father, to fulfill the calling you've placed on our lives. That we would not just be Sunday morning Christians, but that we would be actively, obediently seeking to make disciples that we wouldn't be content with our faith being all about us because it's not about us. It is about you. It is about your son and how great he is, Lord, and we want people to know that. Help us to live by example, to follow the example of Jesus, to go where people are, to have conversations with them, to share our lives with them, Lord. Let us not just be people who can stand on a street corner and preach the Bible, but people who can take the Bible and make it our lives. That people would see your Holy Spirit at work in us, Lord. Fill us with that. That we would not just be thoughts and prayers Christians, but that we would be actions and courage Christians. That we would do the work that you called us to. Lord, help us to be courageous. Help us to be bold to step away from what we've been taught by culture and instead be living sacrifices for the sake of your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for who you are. We thank you for who Christ Jesus is and the example he is to all of us, Lord. May we be filled with your